Welcome to Talking Tactics, a podcast that gets you results. Each episode features a single tactic implemented with limited resources that moved the needle in enrollment in some way. I'm your host, Day Kibbilds, Strategy Director at Ology, a marketing and branding agency for education. Join me every other week for discussions with some of the most clever folks in admissions and enrollment marketing, doing the work day to day, just like you. Talking Tactics is a part of the Enrollify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher education professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Check them out at element451.com. Hello, hello, my favorite listeners. Welcome to another episode of Talking Tactics. I'm your host, Day, talker of tactics. Our guest today is Mickey Collins. Uh, Mickey was on my guest wish list from the very first day of season one, and I reached out to her immediately, but it turns out she was traveling the world like the courageous rock star she is. But I finally managed to get on her calendar to get her on the show. Uh, and she's back. And she's actually a content and experience designer at Pickle Jar Communications now. But this episode is going to focus on the work that she did while she was digital content producer at the University of Chichester. She was there for five and a half years. And in that time, she helped the university achieve number one ranked UK university on TikTok for 2022 and 23. And she won the Content Ed Champion for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Award for the final series of the university podcast she produced. And actually, it is through that award that I met her because I had the privilege of being the person that handed it to her at the Content Ed uh, Conference. So that is precisely what we're going to talk about today, that award-winning podcast series. Uh, The third season of that series focused exclusively on real and raw diversity stories. And through that content focus, it outperformed the previous two series, it doubled the reach to non-followers on the accounts where they shared them, and it completely changed how DEI was integrated into campus conversations. So, so impressive. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I might just take you around all the time, just for that bio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky for you, it was recorded. So you can just hand the script to anyone who introduces you moving forward. I'm sure you're going to keep winning awards. That's just how you roll. So pressure on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's talk about this podcast series. Take us back to kind of the start, uh, orient us where you were, point, time and place. And what what were you trying to do or solve or achieve? So back in 2019, we decided that we wanted to start recording a podcast. Um, the original series was based off of all of the concerns that we were getting from applicants that were coming in that September. So we decided to make an eight episode podcast series based on that. Um, it was always my aim to do one about diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. but we never really knew how we were ever going to get to that point um, because we'd had quite a lot of backlash before or we shared diversity and inclusion content quite uh, cautiously depending on any backlash we might have thought we would have had. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's, that was the idea, was that we would do a podcast series um, about other things first, get the get it down so that we knew what we could do then going forward. Okay. 
And why did you have this kind of hope and this focus on wanting to feature diversity stories? I think it's because we weren't sharing them. Like we had these targets to increase uh, ethnic minority applications and to increase diversity and inclusion on campus, but it was something that we either weren't talking about at all or we were sharing just one person's view, knowing that it was positive. Um, And that's where we were seeing potential backlash coming back with people being like, well, that's not my experience. Mm. Um, And because I was looking after the social media accounts as well, I was seeing it firsthand and I was like, if we are trying to exclusively share positive stories, then we become the problem. Um, and it was just from speaking to more and more students as I'd been in the role for long, a, longer t- period, uh, a longer period of time, mm-hmm. um, I knew that everyone had a story to share. And like, there was, even if we shared negative stuff, there was a lot of positive stuff too. And I think it just became even more important to work out a way that we could actually share these stories. Okay. So when, you know, you, you knew podcast was going to be the channel, you really wanted, you wanted to bring authenticity to, to this. You wanted to share the good and the bad. Um, so talk to us a little bit about like how that turned into an idea. How, how did you find students to feature? What types of stories were you looking for? And then for our listeners who haven't quite heard the the podcast series, like what type of what type of topics were included in there? So um, the original series, I wanted to make sure that it was really honest experiences. So this, the first series wasn't about diversity and inclusion. It was about other concerns students mm-hmm. may have before coming to campus. And it was really important to me that it was really lightly edited and really conversational and mm-hmm. really friendly. Um, so once we had that format, that's what we then use for the diversity and inclusion okay. series. Um so there was a student, uh, I'm going to name him, his name is Ray. Uh, he hi, was Ray. a trans student. At, <laughs> hi, Ray. Uh, he was a trans student at the university and he had a blog that wasn't anything to do with us. He just kind of did it on his own. And we only caught wind of it because he'd mentioned the University of Chichester. Um, and reading through it, it was just one of, one of the most beautiful things I've ever read. But it was a very honest view of his experience as a trans student at the university in his first two semesters, I think, mm-hmm. by that point. And just reading through it, showed that that type of honest and raw experience Mm -hmm. although he shared a couple of things that weren't so positive about the university the rest of it was extremely positive and we used that as the basis for the other episodes and was like if we can do something like this yeah why couldn't we do this for every minority group and I think the most interesting part about Ray's blog was that there was one uh paragraph in it about how before he'd arrived, he'd already been in contact with a few people at the university. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them was that his academic advisor had his pronouns in his email signature and he instantly felt safe. And I remember reading that and being like, if something so simple can make someone feel so welcome and safe, why are we not all doing it? So I remember doing it. And then I sent the blog to my manager and then she did it. And then I didn't say anything. I sent it around to a few other people. And then everyone did it as soon as they read his blog. And we're like, well, how much of an impact could we actually make if something so simple helps wow. so many people? Why are we not all doing it? So that Ray's blog was the initial idea for the series. Yeah. I just got chills thinking about that. Just <laughs> the power of something <laughs> so, so simple and just how how that sparked something with, with you, within you to say, hey, you know, there are these stories exist in other groups let's share them. Let's find them. So, so how did you, how did you find the students to feature in series three? 
so the good the beautiful thing about Chichester is that the student union university work very closely anyway so I was already in contact with quite a lot of the students that worked actively with the student union mm-hmm. um so there was a student who was the LGBTQ plus officer at the time Riley um who helped me a lot with the LGBT episodes um and then from that point I then just kept speaking to the different students that I knew and I was like these are the types of episodes I'm thinking of recording mm-hmm. can you recommend anyone and I really wanted to work with students that we hadn't worked with before as well. I felt that that was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also used our Instagram account, the university's Instagram account, quite heavily. Um, and we just said, like, we're looking to record these eight episodes. Like, comment in the little Q&A box if you, if you know anybody or if you feel that you could offer anything. Um, and one of the other things was there was a couple of students that didn't want to be, didn't want to record the episodes for various reasons, but they helped us shape them and we spoke to them to make sure that we had a lot of different um views and Mm -hmm. experiences within the episodes themselves as well Mm -hmm. so what was that list that you your wish list of episodes so it was let me just get it up because i went to the big test of memory day (laughs) (laughs) you can read it nobody knows nobody can tell (laughs) (laughs) um so there were eight episodes which were being a student of disability with disability i can say that again so there were eight episodes, which was being a student with disability, being in the LGBTQ plus community, being a black student, being a non-binary student, being a trans student, being a person of colour, being an international student and being given a second chance. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Okay. And did you get a lot of response in that little Q&A box? Of- we did. Yeah. We did. There was a few that I was, I, there was a couple of episodes we already had ideas of people we wanted for, but I was like... I had this idea and I was like, I don't even know if we're going to get enough students to want to do it. Um, And we did. We had so many students and it was really important to me that we didn't just have one person from those uh, categories uh, for each episode. I really wanted to make sure that we had lots of different students So, because a lot of them had very different experiences, even though they're in the same minority group. And that was really important Mm -hmm. to have a conversation about it and make sure that we weren't just showing one person's experience and then trying to say that that's what everybody's going to feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made it, the episodes even better. And so each episode featured more than one student or a person? Yeah the, yeah, the aim was to try and get three if we could. Okay. Um, but some, just from general logistics, we yeah. uh, were minimum was two. Okay. Um, there was also a, we had um, a mix of three different uh, hosts as well that hosted okay. different episodes. Okay. Um, so if those hosts uh, related to any of the episodes, then we made sure that they were hosting them. Okay. And then you also had the behind the scenes help that you talked about, like the students that didn't want to be in front of the camera, but okay. Um, now to for our listeners who have never, ever done a podcast on their campus before, can you just briefly talk to us about how that works? How do you record? Where do you record? Who edits? Um, just very briefly to like remove that barrier to entry for them. Yeah, for sure. So that was probably one of the biggest challenges was that we had this idea to record a podcast. And we're like, how do we even record one? <laughs> um, but we're very luckily we found a staff member in the music department mm-hmm. who had had an experience in radio, but did a lot of audio stuff and had the equipment to be able to record it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was, especially during COVID, because we did a, a series during COVID, mm-hmm. which really threw us off. There were so many different platforms that were so easy to use, like Anchor FM, like there's a lot of free ways to be able to do it. Okay. You don't need all the high tech to be able to record the podcast. I just think you need to make sure the content is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was very, very lucky that we had a staff member that had the experience of doing it. 
Um, so we had to make sure we recorded in a quiet room, which was very, very difficult on a small campus. Um, I think on one of the episodes, I'd picked a room which I thought was quiet, and then there was a massive beeping barrier to the oh, car nice. park next to it, and we were like, this is a nightmare. Um, and then in terms of the actual content itself, so I wrote a very detailed brief mm-hmm. um, for the hosts, but I gave a very short brief to the guests because I wanted them to be a little bit prepared, but I didn't want them to... I didn't want it to feel like an interview. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to feel like a conversation. So I kind of gave them the ideas of what we might discuss so that they could bring them with them, but without knowing all of the questions that we're definitely mm-hmm. going to be asked mm-hmm. to be super prepared and it doesn't sound real. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really smart. But your hosts were ready with, with the actual, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's what I wanted. I wanted the host, not, I didn't want them to, I was very lucky that I had some great students to be able to host it. Mm-hmm. And it was important to me that it was students that were hosting it. Um, but the questions that they were asking, I wanted them to kind of ask them to lead a conversation and then have a conversation. And then if it went off track, kindly guide it back. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of times where people would kind of go on for a bit of a tangent. It's like, okay, not the point. Let's go back <laughs> to what yeah. we were talking about, yeah. which they did brilliantly. That's amazing. Well, and what an experience for them too, you know, resume building experience for them too. I will say this, back in the day when I worked at a university campus, depending on the size of your school, you might have soundproof booths someplace on campus, like recording equipment, uh, or as Mickey shared, there might be one staff member or faculty member that knows how to do this. Ask around. Like you don't have to reinvent this wheel all on your own. But I'm assuming that an even greater challenge for you was approval or, you know, did you, did you have to run this by someone? Was there resistance to share this authenticity? Walk us through how that worked. So it's a very good question. And yes, (laughs) a lot of approval and conversations that we had. So um, with the first two series, because we'd already got the format down of Mm-hmm. honest and authentic experiences and we've proven that that type of format worked mm-hmm. that kind of helped us so this wasn't the first series that we did we already had an established podcast that we could build on mm-hmm. um which i think really helped mm-hmm. um and i think the other thing was proving that what we were going to do wouldn't get backlash which is, was hard to do without doing it mm-hmm. um so we did pick a couple of the episodes to record first that we felt would have the least potential about backlash just based off experience mm-hmm. Um, so to be honest, like we've had, we had a lot of stuff with race and mm-hmm. um, ethnic minority groups, but that was also based off of the, the university was in a very white British area as well. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the challenges and what we used to share cautiously or not share at all. But I think we all knew how important it was that we needed to start, start actually making content for these minority groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want it to just be a one-off blog I didn't want it to just be a a one-off video I wanted it to be something that could be used again and again and again Mm -hmm. um and with the podcast format it meant that we could have these big conversations but then take small snippets of it and share it on social media um so yeah so a long-winded way of saying that we recorded one of the episodes first Mm -hmm. and then showed some of the higher-up people in the department and got the the AOK um and then moved on we we did one episode at a time uh, made sure that we got all the approval and we very rarely had to edit anything out and yeah. if we did edit, edit things out it was just because people had gone off on a tangent rather than what <laughs> they were saying um so did your leadership have to see the episodes before you released them out into the world 
there's only a couple that they definitely wanted to see. Um, but I think once they'd had approval of a couple, they were fine. Um, but between me and my manager, we had approved them all. And we just made sure that everyone was happy with what we were doing. What's really smart here, Mickey, is that you like really played the long game. Like you, you established the channel, you established the format, the tone of the the podcast being authentic and conversational and friendly, and then very gradually introduced kind of more heavy topics, right? Like more real topics. And I think that's really smart. And to the folks listening, you know, you might have this really big idea that you know is going to face resistance today, but that doesn't mean that you can't start a few steps back from that idea and lead up to it. So uh, do what Mickey did, basically. <laughs> no, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head with that. Like, I think for us, we, we didn't have much content back in like 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's making sure that from that point, we had a very base level of all the generic things that we may need mm-hmm. in terms of accommodation, making friends, etc. So I made sure all of the base level stuff was done, mm-hmm. saw what worked, how we could prove that it was working. And then all the things that I really wanted to do that was like, I wanted to make a diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. like series. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to say no. Yeah. Well, and then the other really smart way, the other smart thing about this approach is that it is reusable and it's also, you can change it into different formats. You can grab from it. Um, very, I mean, very talking tactics. Very good. Uh, I I have to ask about that, actually. So we know you had some student hosts. We know you, we had you on this team. What are some of the other kind of resources, budget? Uh, was this something expensive to stand up or was it possible with limited resources what you just listed was our resource (laughs) so it it was (laughs) that was the resource so um i had a very very small budget um not just for the podcast for any student content that we did um and for this series it was really important to me that we had lots of different students that we were using so i made a slight gamble that and i use a lot of the money that i had which was very very small mm-hmm. for the amount of students that i wanted for that series mm-hmm. and for the staff member that was editing them he did it separately for us um and it paid off but i knew i was like i it was really important that we had lots of different students on each episode um but yeah that was the resource i was i was the one that was going to get i found all the students i did all the briefing i was there during the recording of the episodes uh, Matt, who recorded the episodes, was there during the recording and he edited them. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, from there, it was just the students involved in the episodes themselves. Um, there was one host who was she was working with us as well, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that from a student level, I wasn't completely off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my manager was the one that approved them. So, yeah, that was the resource. <laughs> that that's was it. Great. That's I mean, that's you don't it doesn't take much right to make a big impact. So. Um, all right, so let's talk about that impact. Uh, tell us about the results of this podcast, from the smallest statistic you want to share to the biggest thing you think you accomplished. So I think the main thing which we were thinking before we recorded was that there, because they were quite niche episodes, we knew that there potentially was going to be a small engagement level, and we were fine with that. And just because it was a small engagement level didn't mean that it was going to be, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It was just because there was a small number of those students on campus and those applying. Um, but we, when we were recording it, we were like, this is something special. Like, this is, like, we, just everything that all the students were saying was so impactful that we knew that we needed to start sharing the snippets on social media and using it as an educational tool, not just for 
the applicants or students that, that related to them. Um, so in terms of the episodes that we recorded, it outperformed the first two series by over double. So it had 2,649 views between the eight episodes and 312 audio listens. It's also worth mentioning that Chichester has five and a half thousand students. So these are big numbers for us. Yeah. Um, and then through the social media snippets, um, we reached nearly 50,000 people just from those eight episodes. Wow. Um, which I think blew our minds. And I think when we were recording it, we knew that it, it could be something good. Um, wow. But we were fully prepared for it to be small engagement, knowing that the content was needed. Yeah. So that's, so, I mean, that's 10 times more reach than the number of students you have on campus. Like it definitely yeah. just wasn't the students on campus watching this. Right. And that was one of the other things is the average of, uh, the Instagram reach that we used to get mm-hmm. uh, with non-followers for all our other posts would be about 15%. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with the snippets, it was reaching 33% of non-followers as well. So yeah, it, there was only positives from it. That's really incredible. So I mean, uh, what, and, and what a fantastic way to be dis- discovered and engaged non-followers leading with this authentic content that is featuring all sorts of stories from your campus. That's really amazing. Yeah, there's a um, there's a few other things as well. I think one of the things, again, this is just from where we we've done a lack of uh, diverse content, which is definitely on our part, was the amount of USPs we discovered through the podcast as well. Um, which, like in the disability episode, the um, one of the wheelchair users was talking about how flat um, the campus is, which you don't really think about. But for him, he was like, "That's amazing. That's one thing he was looking for." Mm-hmm. And the the town itself was really easily accessible, and you can navigate, and it's really flat. Um, and then in terms of, uh, from the LGBT episodes, that, which was brought up in every single one of them was the amount of staff members that had their pronouns in their email signatures and on their open day slides as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the LGBT flags, uh, on show was one of the reasons that they chose Chichester and something so simple mm-hmm. is so impactful. And I think that's where we started to realize the impact it could have outside of the digital world, mm-hmm. um, and it just, yeah, there's just so many benefits from it. Yeah. So uh, what's some, what are some of those kind of outside of the digital world results that you saw? So some of these were kind of in the plans anyway, but I think the podcast kind of helped push it. Mm-hmm. And the students from the podcast were helping to push it as well, um, which progress flags were permanently painted on both campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, there was... Uh, Students from the podcast were already involved, but they were leading the DEI CPD sessions for staff, Mm -hmm. um, which some of them became compulsory for staff members to do. Um, More staff were adding their pronouns to their email signatures that just continued to grow and grow and grow. Um, And then there were larger conversations amongst the senior leadership team too. Um, And this year, the Students' Union at Chichester um, were named the most inclusive university of the year for the National Student Pride Awards as well, which they use some of the podcast episodes for their application. That's so fantastic. It's the series that keeps on giving and like in such an important category. What what an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, and I think the best bit is we started to record it in December 2021 and like snippets and everything is still being used to this day. And it just shows we made eight episodes and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it's still usable now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's well worth the investment. Well worth it. And I mean, it is. It's kind of 
it's content that lives on, right? And I'm sure that, I mean, you're not there anymore, but the team will continue to want to update this. But the precedent that has been set, right? Like there's this fear that you talked about at the beginning of the episode is is no longer there, right? Like we know authentic stories work. We we know um, our audiences are hungry for this. And when actually when we don't share authentic content, then they know we're hiding something, right? Because <laughs> we, we all know things aren't great all the time yeah. everywhere so well done absolutely and I think the amount of, oh thank you and um, I think the amount <laughs> of students that then wanted to be involved and that included the students that were on the podcast themselves and then once they were being shared there were other students that we hadn't even seen their names before and it was a small campus too so we used to know people mm-hmm. who coming up with ideas and wanting to be involved and they're like if you do another series of podcasts we want to do this or and we just had we'd never been in a position before where we had too many people wanting to work with us and like I remember like four years prior we were just begging the one student that we knew to make content with us and then we were at a point where we were like Hollywood directors being able to pick and choose who we wanted for different content and it was great and it was and it was so lovely because I think we'd spent so long trying to make or trying to for like photo shoots having a diverse group of students and students feeling like a token that it because we were finally representing them in the right way and sharing their stories mm-hmm. we had lots of different students wanting to work with us mm-hmm. and it just became a much more uh synonymous is that the right words uh, approach to to how we mm-hmm. did content i think is it synergistic maybe Some, i don't know you can an, cut that out S- <laughs> i'm gonna leave it for authenticity mickey <laughs> no, no. What what the proper S Y word we're looking for is listeners. You can let us know. <laughs> um. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, and to my listeners, I really hope that after listening to this episode, you can take a bit of Mickey's courage and showcase the stories that really deserve to be in the forefront of all the stories that we tell on our campus. Uh, Because that's what walking the walk and talking the tactics is all about. See you next time. The Talking Tactics Podcast is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions pros find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's bests as your hosts, like Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, Jenny Lee Fowler, Jeremy Tears, and so many of your other favorite leaders in higher ed too. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Check them out at element451.com.